This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. One in eight adolescents in Malaysia has had suicidal thoughts, while one in ten adolescents has attempted suicide. Now, these are some of the concerning statistics that have been revealed by the latest National Health and Morbidity Survey 2022, which focuses on adolescent health. So, on this month's Mind Matters series, I'm joined by Noor Arfazini, who is both a clinical psychologist as well as a licensed and registered counsellor, to discuss what the data in the survey tells us about the burden of mental health issues among adolescents and how we can do better to support them both in school and at home. Now, this segment does touch on self-harm and suicide in some areas and may be a difficult topic for some listeners. If you need to talk about it, do look for local support within your community or call helplines like Talian Heal at 15555, Miasa's 24-hour helpline at 1-800-1800-66 or Befriendus K. KL at 0376272929. Now, Arfa, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You're welcome. Now, um, we're talking about mental health among children and adolescents today because that is one of the aspects that was highlighted in the um, National Health and Morbidity Survey 2022, which focuses on adolescent health. And that was quite a significant chunk looking at um, how children and teens are doing when it comes to their mental well-being. Um, it was reported that, you know, one in eight had suicidal thoughts, while one in 10 had actually attempted suicide. Um, and on top of that, also, it was reported that one in four felt depressed. Now, these to me, seems really concerning. But as a mental health professional, you know, how worried are you about these statistics? W- what does it tell us about the burden of mental health issues among um, our children? Mm, okay. Um, I think the, stat- the statistics are very concerning. Um, you know, for us, um, it shows that, you know, what we're doing is not enough. Um mm-hmm. You know, we need to put in more effort into it because hearing all this um, statistic and these are those that made it to the statistic. You never know those underreported ones. Um, uh, we can see that there are a lot of adolescents, uh, children and adolescents are in need of mental health support. Um, so mental health issues are not only um, n- not just adult problems. It should it should be dealt with instead of being dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and when left unattended, it could spiral. This could lead to suicidal ideation, and eventually, without intervention, this could lead to attempts as well. So, I think it is it is such a concerning um, issues. Um, we're talking about looking at a wider uh, wider circle. This would not only cost us, the taxpayers um, and the government, a lot of money to make the mental health issues accessible, um, but not dealing with them would only make it worse. Okay, So I guess um, this lies on the government to create accessible healthcare opportunities, the educators to be informed about the statistic, to be informed, to be um, uh, to be educated about the early signs of issues um, in children and adolescents, um, and I guess as much as the community's role in generalizing or normalizing, and the word is normalizing, talking about mental health. 
If I look back to another National Health and Morbidity Survey from 2019, the more general mm. one, that had back then, you know, this was pre-COVID, they described mental health issues amongst, amongst children as a hidden epidemic. Do you think that still holds true now? Are you seeing things getting worse or better? Um, in my experience, in my practice, I think it's getting worse. Um, sadly to say, um, we have more cases now, more than ever, than pre-COVID. Mm. Um, but also looking at the bright side, the fact that we are getting more clients, more children and adolescents coming into therapy, it also means that the awareness is already there. The mm. parents uh, are more ready to accept help, to seek help um, for their children. So I think um, as much as we want to look at how concerning it is, that it's getting worse, but we want to also tap into the goodness in it, which is um, the parents or the community are more aware about it. Um, I think that's a blessing in disguise with COVID as well. Um, uh, we start to see things um, declining and then we are doing something as a community. Um, I think it's a great thing as well. Mm. I want to talk about what's um, causing this this seeming increase in mental health issues among children. But uh, let's first talk about COVID. I mean, it's been three years, more than three years since our first lockdown. Are we? Are you still seeing the impact of those lockdowns in twenty twenty and even twenty twenty one on children's and teens' mental health today? Definitely. Um, you know, especially those. I'm, I'm getting a lot of cases where. Um, children who were born during COVID, mm. so they they didn't get the chance to socialize as much as they want to. I mean, like yes, um, these are all our innate behavior. We want to socialize. We want to make friends with people, um, other than our family members. And because of COVID, so the first two years or the first, I would say, two years of their life, they're born during that time. You know, they they. They couldn't. They wouldn't be able to go and and play with peers their age. They probably yeah. They they have their siblings maybe. Um, but if they don't, they even you know the parents are not even ready to take them out to play with the neighbors next door even for the fear of you know contracting it. Mm. Um, so I guess um this what we are seeing is they have issues. They don't know how to play with people. They don't know how to, um. They don't know how to interact or start or initiate the conversation or play with other children. Mm. Um, and some of them, because of this lacking of exposure, doesn't mean that they have um, sort of like, um, you know, neurodevelopmental disorders, but it's just the fact that they don't have or they didn't have enough exposure to this socialization. Um, that they are dealing with a lot of other things right now. So going to school for the first time, or let's say a child who started kindergarten um, and then suddenly COVID hits and they can't go meet their friends, they they cannot you know play around all these. Yes, they do have online classes, but you know it's just me looking at you laughing together. Like, that's it. But there's there's no there's no touch. There's no. Um, direct play uh, so they they are missing out on a lot of things and we see this in adolescents as well mm. um, especially adolescents because um, you know older children and adolescents 
this is the time, you know, school time is the time where they meet their friends and friends are very important right now at this stage of life um, for them. So when, you know, they're so used to having friends talking, playing together, you know, joking around, doing things together, eating together, and suddenly they can't. Um, uh, we see a lot of depression cases in this um, older children and adolescents as well, because they just feel they don't feel connected to their friends. Yes, they have what they have WhatsApps, they have Discords, all of these things, but these are just their virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think human needs touch. Uh, so that's that's the most important thing, right? And and not being able to play around with their friends. That's um, so yeah. Yeah, I do see a lot of, um, I guess, I, I could say mental health issues um, coming out from this COVID. Mm. It's really, we're not just talking, uh, it's not a homogenous group we're talking about, right, Alpha? Because like you say, even babies have had um, have had struggled from the lack of contact during that time. And then we look at toddlers, we look at young children, then we look at adolescents. Everyone's impacted just differently. Yes, you're mm. right. What other um, reasons have you seen in terms of what's affecting the mental health of children and teens these days, especially when we talk about what's um, what's fueling potential, uh, what's fueling serious mental health issues like depression? I guess um, uh, other people, okay, an individual would feel um, would have a different uh, risk factors, mm. um, you know, what we are feeling is different. You and I, we're feeling different things. We may look at one thing, what the same thing, but we may look at it differently. Um, same goes as our experience towards it. It's based on what we are seeing, what we think. Um, so I could say that that's a lot of other things. It's not only the environmental factors, but it's also ourselves, our traits, our belief, our faith. These are all... Um, fueling all of these issues and I think most importantly is how we think how we feel and how we react towards it and we all do all these three things differently from each other mm-hmm. um, and I guess uh, in terms of depression in mm-hmm. terms of anxiety in terms of all this mental issue mental health issues um, it depends on these three things the way we think the way we feel about it and the way we react towards it. Mm. Um, and without guidance, and this is where the environmental factors comes in, the people around us, the support that we have, if we don't have the appropriate guidance, um, whenever we are feeling this way or thinking this way, um, this is when we start to do things that we think this is the right way to do it. This is, okay, when, when I feel like this, the, when and then I do this, it makes me feel better, mm. you know. And um, being children and adults, and they may not know enough that what they are doing, the the behavior that they are executing, they don't really understand whether it's correct, whether mm. it's right, whether it's dangerous or not. Um, so this is when they don't have the guidance. Mm. That's when they. You know, all they know that I've been doing this when I get this, you know, and I feel like this and it makes me feel better. So I think it must be good for me. So they keep doing it um, on repeat until it becomes bigger and escalated into something else. 
On the show with me today is clinical psychologist as well as licensed and registered counsellor Noor Arfazaini and we are discussing children's mental health following the recently released National Health and Morbidity Survey 2022 which focuses on adolescent health. We'll continue this discussion on this episode of Mind Matters after a quick break so keep it here on Healthy Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. You're listening to an episode of Mind Matters, our monthly series focusing on mental health issues. Joining me on the show today is clinical psychologist Noor Arfazaini, and we are talking about children's mental health following the recent release of the National Health and Morbidity Survey 2022, focusing on adolescent health. Now, before the break, we were talking about the burden of mental health issues among children, um, generally, particularly depression and suicidal ideation. Um, now, Arfa, the 2022 NHMS also highlighted how um, both verbal and cyberbullying are among issues that children are facing. This includes comments on body shaming, rude comments, sexual comments, and so on. Um, from your experience, how do you see these behaviours, these experiences affecting adolescents' mental health? Um, I think in, in today's world, um, social media is is the it, you know, that's the thing. Um, you know, we get information for that. Most of our information coming from there. Um, and for children, this is something that we cannot say no to because if we, you know, cut um, internet or social media or the medias in that, in a sense, you know, cut it out entirely from their life, they will be left out. Mm. Um, you know, they they won't feel belong. You know, what what do they talk about when their friends at school talking about this and that? They won't know what it is, and then they feel left out. You know, for more. So, um, we can't simply just say no to this. Um, but, um, you know, with proper guidance, um, all of this could could help them to understand better. Um, you know, what are the things that they can do? What are the things that they can say, um, you know, to make the community a better place? And in terms of all this bullying, cyberbullying and all that, um, children and adolescents or, you know, at this stage of life, um, we want to hear from others. Mm-hmm. We, we, we seek approval from others. And I think not only at that stage of life we do this all throughout our life we want somebody to say yes um you know to you we want people to like us um, and so, even if it's a, a, a throwaway comment it can be hurtful yes yes uh so when we hear all of these things when we hear um bad remarks about us even if it's just one out of hundred we will look at that one bad remark okay Mm. and this goes back to the way we think when we think that okay one person is saying that you know we probably won't think one person okay this this, you know we definitely our brain is wired to think oh my god um you know this person said that i don't look good you know I'm, i'm i'm ugly you know um i'm fat um and then this we start ruminating about it we start thinking about it am i fat you know i think i am fat you know um and despite all the other good things that people say we will concentrate on that and we imagine if we keep hearing this over and over again it would definitely affect the way we think it would definitely make me feel make us feel bad you know mm-hmm. and and then what do we do we find ways on how to do that we either go out of our way to show even more so that 
you know, I'm not like that, mm. uh, you know, or we we withdraw from it and then sit alone and not talk to people. I don't want to go out. I don't want to talk to people because I'm ugly. Mm. Yeah. So definitely this will affect the way they look at other people, the way they do things afterwards. And if, if they don't get help, this is this going to escalate. And what we hear um, today in today's world, how they are dealing with, um, you know, bullying, um, you know, those are the only things that they know how to do at that time. Mm. And we're talking about teenagers where, you know, they might be going and, and because I, I say teenagers because the survey said that the bullying cases were especially prominent among teenagers. These are, mm. they're going through that stage of life where they're going through puberty as well. There are all these changes that they're also dealing with um, on their own, right? Yes. Yes, you're right. Um, that's a good point, Sian. Um, uh, teenagers are going through a lot right now um, to, to their physiological changes to the physical changes and this would affect the psychological changes as well um uh they are at this stage where um you know uh, they are looking at you know who am i mm. they're finding finding their identity mm. they are confused about who they are right now um you know, the roles that they have in life, you know, I, I am a student, but I'm also the eldest in my siblings. I'm also the daughter of my parents. Uh, you know, I am the good friend of my friends, you know, that kind of thing. So these are the responsibilities that they have. And it can be confusing, even to us adults right now. We are sometimes confused with the relationships that we have in our life. What more? adolescents so at this stage they're trying to find find out who they are you know and with all of this confusion and with all of these changes in the bodies you know why am I smelling bad why am I having acne in my face you know that kind of thing so how do I deal with this um and when our surrounding is not supportive enough mm-hmm. um you know, this is when we start to, uh, you know, this is so stressful. This is so frustrating. I don't know how to talk, who to talk to. Um, and if they're good, they have good friends who can talk about it. You know, if they are going through the same thing as their friends, that's good. You know, so that they can go over it together. But if this person, if this adult is the only one, you know, having zits all over their faces, you know, um, uh, you know, have body orders, but all the other friends are not. They will feel left out. Like, why am I the only one like this? You know, who do I turn to? Who do I talk to? Because my friends are not like me. Mm. So these are the things, you know, these changes, the developmental changes that, that could be affecting how uh, the adolescents living their life, their understanding about themselves. Mm. I also want to talk about gender for a bit here because mm. we also had gender aggregated data, uh, especially when it comes to um, depression and suicidal ideation and attempts in the survey. Um, 36% of girls surveyed were depressed compared to 18% of boys. Eighteen uh, About 19% of girls had suicidal thoughts versus 8% of boys and 13% of girls had attempted suicide versus 6% of boys. Now, we're seeing a great disparity here in terms of more girls seemingly struggling with their mental health. Um, what might explain that difference? Okay. Um, I think the disparity could be explained by um, 
the gender itself, um, I would like to point out coping skills, mm. um, the male and female coping skills, um, the way we internalize or externalize the thought. Um, all of this um, are being, you know, I guess, uh, affected in terms of gender. So it is in gender studies, we know that um, uh, research have shown that uh, research have shown that um, the female are more to ruminate things, ruminate thoughts. They are more prone to um, internalize their issues. You know, where boys are uh, are easier to externalize um, the issues that they have, and they cope with a more riskier behavior. And this is not. Um, I mean, I can't say that this applies to all. Okay, because there are some, but majority, as research have shown, majority for female and males are like this. So this aggregated data that you mentioned just now is important um, because by understanding, you know, the therapists, the researchers, they're doing this. When we understand these differences between how female and males would react towards problem or issues that they have, we could tailor the help that we can give them, you know, we can uh, we can come up with um, a, a more tailored intervention for girls, mm. okay, and boys, different. Um, and of course, this, this will also, we also have to look at um, other things as well in them, like their traits, their, their environment, their, uh, the kind of support that they have at home or in school. Um, so these are all the information that we can use to help them. Mm-hmm. you know, by understanding these differences. Mm. So, but before getting to helping them, it's also about recognizing when they need that help, right? Um. So what are the signs that could indicate that a child or a teen is struggling with something major like depression or even potentially suicidal ideation? How different might that sign, might those signs be in um, a child compared to an adult? Okay, the easier that we can see is probably the physical changes you know um teenagers or children or adolescents who are who are struggling mm-hmm. you could probably see the way they look is different if you sense a change of mood like um you know unstable change of mood you know uh if you uh, if you see that you know your child has always been talkative but you know, few few weeks back, you start to realize that they don't talk a lot. They don't talk anymore with you. They they try to avoid you. They just keep to themselves. They they stay in the room most of the time. They don't want to come down for dinner. They don't want to um have you know chit chat. Uh, or when they ask you, when you ask them questions, just one word answer, or they didn't even answer. Um. You know the the their mood. If you look at that, they're feeling a little bit low. You can see this. Um, uh, you know the way they dress themselves. These are the the kind of things that you would probably do. Uh, change in dressing. Uh, change in sleep patterns. Um, appetite. You know whether increase in appetite or decrease in appetite. Um, you could see. Uh, I guess. Uh, you could see the way they socialize with their friends, you know, whether they still go out with their friends and play at the end of the day or they just 
keep to themselves. You know, these are the physical things that you can see. You can immediately see the differences. Mm. So it's essentially what's changed from the norm, right? Yes. What can a parent do in in that situation then, or what should parents do? Because I, if if it can feel like, for example, if someone if a parent has never has not had to deal with this before, what do they do? Yeah, must be confusing, isn't it? And sometimes you'd be like, "Well, what's going on with my child?" But I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, it is it is encouraged for you to start talking to your child. You know, I'll try to find out um what's going on in their life you know what's going on at this moment in their life mm-hmm. what about their friends you know if they, if they have in the past they've have talked about um you know their friends what about now sometimes teenagers they have um arguments with their friends they lost some friends they lost some you know crush you know um uh, the things that they have in their life you know, at, at this moment even though we the adult might think that that's just a small thing you know you don't have to pay bills um you know like me too uh but it's just small things but for them this is their world so it is a big thing for them all these small small things the adult thing that the teenagers have it's actually a big thing for them and we have to be able to understand that um if you really do not know how to approach you know like I, I don't know I don't know I, I've, I've tried my best I've tried everything you know tried to bring um uh, you know parents would say I've tried to bring them out you know like have have some meals together outside just me and my daughter um but she's still not talking father uh, brings the son out for a fishing trip nothing happened no talk whatsoever so I think when you come, when you're stuck like this, the best thing to do is probably reach out to professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go talk to counselors, you can go talk to clinical psychologists, um, you know, just to find out what are other things that you could do. When you go into a specific uh, professional, mm-hmm. um, they could be asking you questions to understand your child because every child is different. If you, if you have three teenagers, in you know in, in your family you know, the way you approach teenager number one and number two number three may be different. different yeah yes so you probably need a tailored help in this um in this kind of situation mm. what about the role of school counselors um mm. i know we, we we unfortunately we don't have many school counselors in the country i think statistics from the Ministry of Education show we only have about one um, school counsellor for every 890 students. So that's a very, very um, big ratio. But what role do school counsellors play? Why is it important that we have more of them in schools as well? Yeah, I totally agree that we should have more than just one in each school. The school counsellor can act as a... um, you know, how would I say this? The person who, because they are trained in in on in mm. all these early signs of uh, issues and problem, and we're not only talking about mental issues; um, mm. these are everything else. Um, they are trained in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if we have one over about nine hundred students, you know, they would probably overlook a lot of things mm. they, they can't take it burnout already um but if you have more these are the people that can actually you know detect um the first signs of issues that mm. the the students may have 
Um, and when when they detect that, they can actually help in terms of um, helping them. Is picking up on these problems early, right? Because kids spend so much time in school. Yes, yes. They spend most of their waking time in school, just like us spending most of our waking times at work. Um, <laughs> so to, to them, yes, it's at school. And being able to detect this means early detection means early intervention. Mm. Um, and if you have more counselors, more things can be done. You know, at school right now, I think because there's only one or two counselors per school, they probably do a sort of like a, a big group things, you know, a school-wide program. But sometimes some issues are to be dealt, you know, closely, you know, individually. So this is when we find it hard for the counselors to do. They are only one person having to deal with a lot of students with hundreds or even thousands of students per school. You can't even do follow-ups properly, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, they they could they have to meet one student today, uh, probably three students per day or five students per day. And then tomorrow is another different set of students. Mm. And then they probably lose track already, you know, unless things escalated. Mm. Like, oh, then they can, they, they remember, oh, I've seen this, these students like three months ago and then I, I didn't have time to follow up because there's so many other students that it's out. So yeah, um, I hope we have more counselors at school um, and universities as well. We're not talking about only the adolescents because these adolescents, they will grow up and they will go into the tertiary education. Mm. Um, and if these, if, if during the, what do you call this? During the school time, whatever that they have is not at least being helped you know mm-hmm. we we're not being ideal here if it get resolved then that's good if it's not they will bring this baggage when they go into their tertiary education mm-hmm. and and when they don't they don't have um enough help okay um that's when we hear a lot of edu- uh, university students having greater issues because it wasn't dealt with because they didn't have enough support mm. um, during their school time. Mm. And that's exactly the, the long-term consequences that we could yeah. see, right? If we don't address mental health issues when they're younger and when, when it's in at an early stage, then that just snowballs and snowballs into the mental health burden that we're seeing in the adult population now. Is that right? Yes, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, um, you know, earlier on, I mentioned about the three things, right? The way we think, the way we feel, and the way we react towards mm-hmm. it. Um, and imagine a child or adults who have had a negative outlook of life, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not worthy of this life. I, nobody likes me. Um, all this hopelessness, um, that turned into low self-esteem, and mm-hmm. then. And the only thing that they think is, you know, I'm not good. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And then they move on into into their tertiary education. They go uh, in the university thinking with more complex things, you know, with more life experience experiences because they now are are not living with their parents. They're living with their friends. You know, they are almost adults. You know, they young adults, not young adults. They are adults. Um, you know, with more issues. And imagine having all these negative thoughts ruminating about how you're not good, you're you can't do this, you can't do that with more complex 
way of life mm. um, with more complexity in, in the things that they do in terms of learning new things. Uh, and then they go on to work. Mm. And these and, and they have a close relationship, they have intimate relationships, they have other relationships in their life and get gets more and more complex. Mm-hmm. So the long-term consequences is really, really bad. I mean, I would say, you know, imagine for someone with all of these issues brought into and then they only get help when they are adult. Mm-hmm. You know we need more time to work on that because there's a lot of things that we need to resolve by then um, in comparison with when we get these young people help mm. earlier on. You know, at least they know how to challenge their negative thoughts. Mm. They know what to do. How they to learn cope. about, yes, they learn about adaptive coping skills, you know, so they can bring the skills, the knowledge into mm. their life afterwards and imagine how they can reach their full potential then. Mm. Um, and I'm going to wrap up our discussion soon, Arfa. I want to talk about stigma and misconceptions, right? Because that's something that adults deal with when we talk about mental health. I mean, things are improving, but the stigma is still very much there. Is there a stigma towards mental health among children or adolescents as well? Definitely. I mean, we're we're never free from stigma. I think it's it's a lot better than 20 years, 10 years ago right now, um, because people are more willing to talk about it. It's not as taboo as it was. Mm. Um, however, the stigma is still there. Mm. Uh, you can still, in, in small community, you can still hear the talks about, oh, Okay, I heard that this one went for a psychiatric help, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there are parents out there, and I think if you are a parent out there listening to this, I think um one of the things that we have um as a parent is that the responsibility to bring up our children in the best way possible. Um but we have to remember that our children are individuals with their own traits, okay. It is not 100% parenting, mm. okay? When, when you discover that your child may be struggling with something, um, there are a lot of parents out there who feel guilty. They feel like they are to be blamed when their children are going through some stuff, you know, that they didn't give enough, that they didn't do enough, um, that they've been so busy with work, trying to find money to, to, to give whatever their children want. Um, that they overlook some stuff. And this caused my children to have mental issues. Um, this is not it. Okay? It is not 100% parenting. Mm. You have to remember that your child is an individual with their own traits. There are also um, the influence of environment. Um, and when we talk about environment, it's not only you as parents, it's also the friends, it's also the teachers, it's also the people outside, the neighbors, it's the whole world. Um, and I say the whole world because now our children have access to the whole world. Mm. They're looking at other children their age, other adolescents their age, you know, I don't know, millions kilometers away. In other societies, in other countries. Yes. Uh, And they don't understand this. They don't understand the cultural differences yet. Uh, You know? So there are a lot of other things that contribute Mm -hmm. to the issues that they are having. So 
um, it is not definitely 100% parenting. So this is when we think that, okay, it is my fault. So the stigma is there. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to anybody. I I won't I won't talk to other parents because they probably look at me like okay, it's I'm I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't even talk to my my parents. You know, to talk about their grandchildren because it could show that I'm not able to bring up my children well. Mm-hmm. Um. So and with the stigma, it's actually create a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, for them to seek help. They don't want um they don't want their children to see psychiatrists, they don't want their children to see um uh, clinical psychologists or counselors because you know it will show their weakness. It's not. Okay, in fact, if you do this, it will show how much support, how much love you have towards your children. Okay. Getting help is actually love. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um and that is just a small stigma in terms of a familial system. Mm. But when we go out to the community, we still have this. We still have people who look down on other people when, when you know, you see a person acting strangely in the community and you would say, oh, that person is crazy. Okay. Without trying to understand the things that they are going through. Um, so, yeah. Mm. I guess stigma is still here and we need to fight this. Mm. And I think the message to take away from this conversation we're having today, Arfa, at least what I'm getting from this is that the importance of having that familial support, right? Because we're talking about children and Mm. and the role of parents, the role of their family members is so vital to help help them and also to help support them throughout this journey. Yeah, Mm. yeah, right. All right. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Arfa. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I've been speaking to Noor Arfazini, clinical psychologist as well as licensed and registered counsellor about children's mental health on this episode of Mind Matters. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Health & Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.